Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. He's a sports editor. Sports columnist, sports writer. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and asking <laughs> if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Man, I cannot wait until we're back in the studio again, because... We're off to a late start today, obviously due to some technical issues. This is like the third time in the last month that I've had technical issues of some kind, whether it be like, you know, the software we're using or my internet going out like it did a couple weeks ago. Nonetheless, we are on the air today, and like I said, I I cannot wait to get back in the studio. All shows this summer are remote, so we might have to deal with this again. But you know what? We're here. We're going to make the most of this what do we have, 47 minutes here to talk some Chicago sports. Looking forward to it. It's great to be back here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Back after a week off, last week took some personal time for Mother's Day, went to go see my grandma. First time spending Mother's Day with my grandma in a couple years, and it was awesome. Me, my mom, and my sister went up to see her. It was a really, really good day. And I miss being on the radio, but I valued the personal time, and Back now, and we do have quite a bit to get to in this shortened time. You know, last week I missed the or I missed the time to talk about Tony Larusa, not knowing the extra inning rule, which I also didn't know for the record. And then the White Sox rattled off six straight wins after that game. So we're going to talk some White Sox. The Cubs continue their roller coaster. They won five straight. Now they've lost three of four, including one yesterday to the Tigers. Just going to let that go out there. Uh, The Bulls wrap up their season tonight against Milwaukee at 8 o'clock. They are eliminated from the playoffs, which means all that time I spent sitting here telling you the Bulls are a playoff team. Yeah, I look like an idiot. But we're going to talk Bulls post-mortem in a way, and I'll tell you who I think's going, who's staying. Uh, Blackhawks are out of the playoffs again. No surprise there. They should have tanked this year, and they didn't, and I'm worried that they hurt themselves in the lottery. And the Bears' schedule is out. We have a schedule. We're talking football. It is great. Minicamp is underway as well, and I'm already in love with Justin Fields. And the Chicago Sky, they won big yesterday, Candace Parker's debut with the Sky. It's one of my favorite players ever in basketball. So I'll talk a little bit of Sky here as well. But I do want to start with the Bears because the schedule is out. That came out on Wednesday. And everyone's talking about how the Bears have one of the tougher schedules in the league, and I want to say one metric had them. What did they have? Like the third toughest schedule 
something like that. I don't know how they measure that. I don't know if it's based off, like, last year's win totals. I don't know. I, I'm not sure how they calculate it. But here's the Bears' schedule for this coming season, if you missed it. Now, keep in mind, there's an extra game this year, and it's throwing me off when I'm putting my prediction together. So they will play 17 games in 18 weeks. Still not sure how I feel about the 17 games, but I'm also not sure how to feel about them opening on Sunday night football against the Rams. I'm worried we're going to get the primetime Bears again, which means they're going to suck. But either way, opening in primetime, like, that's great. That's good. I mean, they have Matthew Stafford's number, so we'll see. So that's at L.A. They return home to take on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals September 19th. Go to Cleveland September 26th to take on the Brownies. Come back home to take on Detroit. You notice a pattern here with the schedule. They never play back-to-back, home, home, road, road. It's it's road, home, road, home, road, home. So then you got Raiders, Packers, more on that in a second. Buccaneers, oof. 49ers, Steelers, the bye week, week 10, that is perfect in a 17-game schedule. Home against Baltimore at Detroit. Home against Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Back to Green Bay to the House of Pain, I mean Lambeau Field. Then they got the Minnesota Vikings. They go to Seattle. Back home against the New York Giants. And then they wrap up the season as they seem to do every year against the Vikings. Now, this schedule, you I rattled off all of these opponents. And everyone's saying, oh, one of one of the toughest schedules in the league. Well, let's let's look at this game by game here. They open the season against the LA Rams, against Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams. Now, I saw a stat this week, I think it was from my guy Mike Piff over at WGN Radio, that no team has intercepted Matthew Stafford more than the Bears. So the fact that the Bears drew Stafford week one, okay, they should win that game. Cincinnati week two. Joe Burrow is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He has no offensive line. That's why he blew out his knee last year. I'm counting that as a win. I really hope my old roommate Andy's not listening because he's a big Browns fan when I say this. I think the Browns beat him week three in Cleveland. If it wasn't in Cleveland, I don't think I'd be saying that. But I'm going to go ahead and mark the Browns game as a loss. Back home against Detroit, they're going to beat the Lions. It's Jared Goff. They're going to beat the Lions. I could see 3-1 and one in the first four games. Now, that next game, week five, against the Vegas Raiders. I don't know how I feel about that one. I think that one can be a toss-up, considering that's in Vegas. So it's a toss-up. I'm going to lean Bears win. The Green Bay game, week six. It's going to depend on if Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Packers this year. If he is, there's no way they're beating the Packers. If he's not playing, that game's at home. I'm going to count that as a win. So if you're keeping track here, maybe I'm being too much of a homer, but that's a fairly... That's a that's a favorable schedule there. I'm saying 6-1 and one out of the gate. Week 7 against Tampa Bay, loss. Week 8 against San Francisco, I think they can beat Trey Lance. But I, I, I was another toss-up. But I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna lean loss. I am. At Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football, loss. 
So I'm saying they lose four straight there, and there they are, six and four, going into the bye week. Out of the bye against Baltimore. They're not going to beat Lamar Jackson, six and five. They beat Detroit at home on Thanksgiving, seven and five. They won't beat Kyler Murray, seven and six. At Green Bay, again, if Rodgers plays, no. If he doesn't play, it depends on who their quarterback is. I'm just going to go ahead and say that's a win if Rodgers doesn't play, so there you are, 8-6, and six, which puts you over the win total. Versus Minnesota on Monday Night Football. I'm going to count that as a loss. Because they got the primetime Bears against Kirk Cousins and Monday Night Football. I'm going to go ahead and count that as a loss. I don't think they're going to be able to do it. They're not going to beat Russell Wilson. They're going to beat the Giants. And I think they beat the Vikings on the road. Now, that could maybe flip. I, I think they split with Minnesota is moral of the story there. But either way, I could see, I could see 10 wins. But also, I could see eight wins. And their, their win total for this year, by the way, if you're, into, if you're into sports betting, the Bears over under for wins is seven and a half. Is it obvious which way I'm leaning on that bet? Now, I think that number can increase to maybe eight and a half if, if Rodgers doesn't play for Green Bay because you're going to get it. You're going to win one of those games if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing for Green Bay this year. Bears fans need to be hoping that Aaron Rodgers doesn't play and just decides to go host Jeopardy. Now, I'll never watch Jeopardy again if that happens, but that's, that's what Bears fans need to hope for. I think the realistic expectation for this team is 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and because you've heard I, I had a couple toss-up games in here. That can, they, they can go either way. So I'm going to go ahead and say my prediction, if I had to pick one, is 9-8. and eight. It's so weird saying that. Like, I have to keep telling myself, no, that's not wrong. Like, I was talking to people about this at the bar one night when I was working. And having it add up to 17, it just feels weird. And, yeah, I've got to keep reminding myself, no, there's 17 games this year. And then the question people are asking, when will Justin Fields start? They want Justin Fields to start immediately. I know Alex Brown said that on the schedule reveal show. Now, hang on, let's, let's back up here. And Matt Nagy has kind of changed his tune on this. I'm not necessarily sure right now on what day is today. May 16th, 2021 at 11.22 a.m. I'm not sure Justin Fields should start week one. Now, then again, I'm not his coach. Granted, his coach isn't at minicamp either because Matt Nagy is considered a close contact for COVID-19. So he's working virtually until he, I think there's one more negative test before he can go back. But I'm not his coach. I'm not there with him. I'm not seeing how he's doing in workouts. But if it's me, he's not starting week one right now. But, and I wish I had the clip. I wish I'd have had time to edit the clip and everything. I, I got a new computer this week. And I'm working with two screens because my old one still has the ability to go live and have my microphone the other one I'm waiting on an adapter that's going to come likely after the show's over knowing my luck and it's already told me it's going to be here right after the show so I'm kind of I'm kind of winging it with my setup today 
but I didn't have time to edit the clip. But Matt Nagy, I mean, let, let's back up here before I talk about this. Ryan Pace, on draft night, was emphatic that Andy's our starter. Andy's our starter. Well, first of all, he said the same thing about Mike Glennon when they drafted a kid named Mitchell Trubisky. But here we are now. You've got, you've got a much, much, much better prospect than Justin Fields. And I want to say it was Rich Eisen had Matt Nagy on. And Nagy said something along the lines of whoever, whoever we think can start, we'll start, whether it be Andy or Justin. Notice Nick Foles isn't in this conversation anymore. But he's, he's changed his tune. So maybe Justin Fields will start week one. A lot of it's going to be contingent on how training camp goes. And I really hope, I know it's up at Hallis Hall now, it's not in my backyard in Bourbon A, but I hope they can allow fans in training camp this year. Because you have yourself an attraction. And shout out to my guys at Obvious Shirts. My Soldier Fields shirt will be here this week. I want to go see this guy in training camp. I will drive up to Lake Forest. Well, maybe not drive. I'll take the train up to Lake Forest and go to training camp. Do I want to see him week one? Yes, I mean... He's Justin Fields. You saw what he did for Ohio State. He's Justin Fields. This isn't Trey Lance. This isn't Mitchell Trubisky. This isn't <laughs> this isn't Blake Bortles in Green Bay. I just had to throw that out there. This is Justin Fields. Yes, I want to go see him in training camp. I want to go see him at Soldier Field, too. But for right now, I'll settle for training camp. Now, you heard me talk about how it should be a 3 and one start. Could you justify benching Andy Dalton? If Andy Dalton's your starter week one, could you justify benching Andy Dalton if you're 3-1? and one? On one hand, you say, no, you're 3-1, and one, you're winning. Keep with the development track. On the other hand, you saw what happened in Miami this year with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa. Fitzpatrick was doing well. All of a sudden, the Dolphins benched Fitzpatrick for Tua Tagovailoa. And Tua did fairly well, I thought. Because the attitude there with Brian Fuentes was that Tua is the future. And maybe he was developing. Maybe he developed and was ready to go. That could be the case here in Chicago. Could Andy Dalton be benched after three and one start? Absolutely. I think I'm in the minority when I say this, and I'm very curious to see how people respond when I say this. Four words that would light up my Twitter if I tweeted this out. I trust Matt Nagy. Yeah, I said it. Yes, I called for him to be fired last year. Yeah. I said he didn't he didn't know how to call, how to call plays. I never said he couldn't coach. I think he's a good coach and I really think he saw something in Patrick Mahomes when he was in Kansas City that none of us saw back here. He left an offense in Kansas City 
that had Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback in waiting, the future MVP of the league, the future most exciting player in football, for a Bears team led by Mitchell Trubisky. That's like, and I make this analogy because my dad got a new gig writing about cars. That's like going from a Ferrari to, let's see, what kind of car can we, what, what did Trubisky drive, a Toyota Camry or whatever? That's what you're going to, that's what you're going to there. Matt Nagy did not have his quarterback in Chicago. Now that he does, I think Justin Fields is going to turn into, I don't want to compare him directly to Patrick Mahomes and say he's going to be Patrick Mahomes because you're not going to get a Patrick Mahomes. You're not going to find another guy like that. That is a a once-in-a-lifetime draft pick right there. But I think Justin Fields is going to turn into one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And all he has to do is do that, be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And he'll be one of the all-time greats in Bears history. I mean, I, there are people on Twitter like, oh, he's already top five quarterback in Bears history. Now, if he turns out, if he gets hurt, if something happens and he turns into, for lack of a better phrase, a bust, we've had this before. I want to see him do it on the field before I say anything like that. And I love the attitude. I was built for this, is what he told reporters when asked about the moment. He wants to be the starting quarterback. I love the attitude. He's all business, too. Like, there are people... Did I see it on TikTok? I think I saw it on TikTok. The video of him getting the call from Matt Nagy. And he was so serious. He didn't really react much. Everyone's like, oh, whoa, he... Even before he plays a snap, he knows his career's over in Chicago. That's not how he reacted at all. He was He's all business. I think it was NBC Sports. NBC Sports Chicago tweeted out that they got a new Captain Sirius in town. Because Justin Fields is, for lack of a better phrase, yeah, he's, a, he's Captain Sirius 2.0. Obviously, the first one was Jonathan Taves. So yeah, I'm over the moon with this kid. I'm still, I'm just, I'm not convinced he should start week one. But again, I'm not the one with them every day. I'm going to trust Nagy on this one. And if I, if, if it comes back and haunts me when I say that, so be it. But that's where I stand with it. We've hit the bottom of the hour. I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM with Nick Schultz. This is usually where I throw out the number to call into the show, but as has been the case for the last year now, we cannot take calls because we're working remotely. So feel free to shoot me a tweet at Nick Schultz underscore seven on Twitter. And if you don't follow me, you should. I try to be funny. I'm actually not tweeting as much as I normally do. So that's a good sign if you want to follow me. And you can slide into my DMs. You can shoot me a reply, whatever floats your boat. Uh, Jonah Blatt, P1 listener, Bishop Emeritus of Blurs, my good buddy. What's up, Jonah? He says, yeah, boy, I know. Okay, you're a Tigers fan. I get it. I get it. And he's a Lions fan too. So when I say the Bears are going to beat the Lions, he says your your your, ca- your kneecaps are dead because that's the thing over there, I guess, with the new coach. But he makes a good he makes a good point with this one. 
feeding fields to Aaron Donald week one is bad development. No, absolutely. That's part of the reason. That's part of the reason that I'm saying he should he should not start week one. Now, if Matt Nagy thinks he can handle it, I'm going to trust Nagy's judgment there because he's going up in practice against Khalil Mack. So, yeah, is Donald better than Mack? I mean, yeah, that's not an argument. But in practice, he's going up against Khalil Mack. If Nagy thinks he can go week one against Aaron Donald, let the kid play. But, yeah, that is a good point. Is that good for development if you feed him to Aaron Donald week one? I don't think so, but we're not in practice. A lot's going to be determined by training camp. We'll see. Either way, we've got four months until football. Four months? Two months. Two months. I can't do math. Two months. Two months? Oh, now I'm thrown off. It is four months. It's May. It's May. You know, the, the tech issues today, they've thrown me off. you got to give me a break here. That, and I'm looking up, I have a clock on the other side of the room, and the power went out the other day, so the date's all thrown off. So it says it's August, according to that clock. So that's what I looked up at and saw. No, we, we, September. September is four months away. That's how long we have until we get this kid on the field. Yeah, and Joan even says, not to mention Miles Garrett week three. Yeah, so you've got Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett in two of the first three games. Yeah. I trust Nagy, but if it's me, give it till after week five or six. Because you're looking at the schedule, like we got we got Aaron Donald week one, Miles Garrett week three. After that, there's really you got Patrick Peterson, I guess, December fifth. That's week thirteen, but he's more he's cornerback. He's more for if you're worried about like is it Daz Newsom? Is that Daz Newsom? That's who I'd be worried about if he wants to jump in. Who I think I said this last week. I guess last week, two weeks ago, when I couldn't go live because of my internet issues. He's going to be your Darnell Mooney of this draft. So, yeah, I mean, going through, you have two premier defenders in the first three weeks. After that, you're in good shape. I would say after week five. Because you don't want to, you do not, you do not want to throw a rookie Bears quarterback into a Packer game for his debut. That's asking for trouble. No, you don't want to do that to him. Can he handle the big moments? Yes. Can he handle that moment for his debut? Probably not. I wouldn't wish that on any rookie quarterback. I don't care if they're, let's see, give, give me a stud quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes. Give me a stud quarterback who was instant impact out of the draft. I don't even know who to compare. I would not throw a rookie into a Packer game for his debut. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be one of the biggest storylines of the year. When will Justin Fields start? Because you don't trade up for a kid like that to have him sit the bench all year. Now, I, as I said a couple of weeks ago, maybe that's the plan. That was kind of how they treated Mahomes in Kansas City with Alex Smith. Now, Andy Dalton is not Alex Smith. So that's going to impact things. If you sit him for a whole year behind Andy Dalton, that's a big risk to take. But then again, maybe Andy Dalton has some leadership qualities we don't know about. 
But yeah, I I think he needs to start at some point. Actually, no, I think he will start at some point. I think he needs to take some time to develop. I am a big advocate of watching game action and taking it to heart. It seems like Justin Fields is a true student of the game in that he's meticulous with his notes, always asking questions. I think he can I think he can benefit from holding a clipboard for a few weeks and watching Andy Dalton on the field, watching the offense in game against different players. I think he can benefit from that. Then I can't wait. I'm 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 really really excited. I might go buy a jersey. I don't know. We'll see. Let's move on to the Bulls because the Bulls play their last game of the season tonight against Milwaukee. They missed the playoffs. They didn't lose enough games. At least they didn't lose as many games as I'd have liked toward the end. Because remember, once Zach Levine went on the COVID list, I was calling for a tank. Like I'm pretty sure three weeks worth of my Believe in Bulls podcast was. Tank, tank, tank. And here we are, game 72 today at 8 p.m. against Milwaukee. Milwaukee, a really good team. Zach Levine didn't play yesterday against Brooklyn due to knee soreness, which I wouldn't have played Zach yesterday against Brooklyn. How about Patrick Williams, though? 24 points? That kid's going to be something. I am so excited for his year two. But who else can we be excited for in year two of this front office? We saw what they did at the trade deadline, going out and getting Nikola Vucevic and Daniel Tice and trading out some some players that the Garpax regime was really high on. Daniel Gafford, Otto Porter Jr. I'm still celebrating that Luke Cornett is gone. I don't care that he's showing up in tweets scoring like 12 points, doing work for Boston, whatever. Luke Cornett is gone. That is a good thing. Chandler Hutchison is gone. Wendell Carter is gone. And I'm sure I'm missing one somewhere. The fact that Cristiano Felicio is still on the roster is a crime. But we've seen what they want to do. Now they can go into this offseason. They disappointed because this should have been a playoff team. I don't think I'm out of line saying that. This Bulls team should have been a playoff team. Patrick Williams is safe. I feel like I'm Ryan Seacrest on American Idol right now. Patrick Williams is safe. Zach Levine is safe. Nikola Vucevic is safe. I think you listen to offers on everybody else. Maybe you can keep Kobe White. He seemed to be coming into his own toward the end of the year, but was it too little too late? Probably. Does Thaddeus Young have to stay around next year, given what he's done the last few games? Maybe. I went through this on my podcast on Wednesday, Believe in Bulls, which feel free to subscribe, by the way. We've been doing really well with the pod in the last month or so, and I appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. So Darnell Mayberry over at The Athletic last week put out his list of who's staying, who's going for the Bulls. And it, it feels like uh, it feels like the Clash song, Should I Stay or Should I Go?, But here's, I'm going to run through it real quick. I'm not reading this whole thing. It's behind a paywall. I'm not reading you the whole article. But I'm going to go through what Darnell says, and I'll tell you what I think as well. And he's in alphabetical order with these names. 
Al Farouk Aminu. He came over in the Vucevic trade. Darnell says he's going. I agree. Ryan Archie Diacono, no question. He needs to go. Darnell says Troy Brown Jr., who came over from the Wizards in the in that trade, is staying. Now, I think Troy Brown Jr. is a fan favorite. He's a good defender. Not so much offensively, but he's a decent defender. Is he worth keeping around next year? Man, I don't know. Did he do that much in the games he played in Chicago to stay around next year? Darnell says he stays. I think listen to offers and get something for him. Devon Dotson, who we didn't see as much as we'd have liked this year. Uh, Darnell says he's staying. I agree. I think he's going to be one of the. I think he's going to be your Fred, your Fred Van Vliet. I think he's going to be that type of player who goes undrafted and then kind of turns into a stud in the NBA. So watch out for him. Cristiano Felicio is in the final year of his four-year deal. He should have been gone five years ago, in my opinion. So, yeah, he's gone after this year. Javante Green, yeah, he's gotten minutes as of late, but it's been garbage time. They'd already basically been eliminated, and he was getting minutes against the scrub teams. Yeah, he's gone. Zach Levine's going to stay. Lowry Markkinen should probably go, and Darnell, Darnell says that too. Lowry Markkinen's probably gone. Adam Makoka can go. Tomas Sadoransky, I feel like he could be a good backup point guard. But I don't know. I Darnell says he's going. I think it's 50-50. Maybe more so toward going. Garrett Temple's going to be a free agent. You're not re-signing him. Daniel Tice, it kills me. Darnell says he's going. I also think he's going. Just because I don't think you can afford him. Denzel Valentine should have been gone a long time ago. Vucevic is staying. Kobe White, I think, is 50-50. Patrick Williams is staying. I'm so excited for him. Darnell says Thad Young is staying as well. Again, I think he's one of those you listen if you can get some good offers. If you could maybe trade up in the draft if you lose your first-round pick. That's what I think. Now, let's talk about that first-round pick. And we also did have some breaking news regarding a former bull that I'll talk about as soon as I'm done with this point. If the Bulls lose today, if they lose tonight, they are locked in to the eighth best lottery odds. Right now, and this is where they'd be if they lose tonight, 26.3% chance of getting a top four pick. Now, why is a top four pick important to me? Why should it be important to Bulls fans? The only way the Bulls keep that first round pick from the Vucevic trade is if it's in the top four. If it's not in the top four, the pick goes to Orlando. It is a top four protected pick. Last year, the Bulls' odds to land in the top four were 32%. They ended up doing that and drafted Patrick Williams, who I'm I'm very high on. 26.3% chance of the top four. Could it happen? Yes. Will it? I don't know. We've only seen two years of this lottery system. I'm not sure. You can't bank on luck. 
I keep saying that over and over and over and over again. You cannot bank on luck. But there is a good chance. I, I mean, comparatively speaking, there is a good chance they land in the top four. I wish they'd have lost a few more games and gotten better odds. But either way, I think they could land in the top four. And if they don't, I still, and I've said it now for weeks, I'm going to keep saying it until the lottery. I would not be at all surprised if our tourist carnage show is trades up into the first round. It would not surprise me in the slightest, given how aggressive he is, the pieces that he can deal out. Maybe Kobe White could get you somewhere. Maybe Thaddeus Young could give you somewhere, someone looking for a veteran talent. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. The lottery is coming up at the end of July. That's going to determine where the offseason goes, heading into the draft and free agency, etc. Daryl Horowitz, former host of the show, chiming in. Chicago sports teams rarely do things the smart way, like losing when it helps you win in the future. Yeah, Stan Bowman didn't do it. Gar Pax didn't do it. I still think they should. Have, I think the Bulls should have tried to make the playoffs this year and deal out some of these pieces on the roster. As for Patrick Williams, Daryl writes, uh, Billy Donovan has to keep up. Has to keep drumming into his head to be aggressive offensively. He said he's naturally not aggressive, and they need to change that mindset. He's naturally not aggressive, but he's shown signs that he can be. So, yeah, I think that's coachable. We have to remember, Patrick Williams is 19 years old. He's young. He's the young is he the youngest player in the league? I think he's still the youngest player in the league. He's 19. He's got to mature. He's got a high ceiling. Like you said, he's got to be aggressive. And I think the player development staff that Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley, and Billy Donovan have in place, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to turn into one of the better players in the league. So, yeah, I agree. Okay, he's second youngest. I thought he, I thought he was the youngest. I wonder who's – so who's the, who's the youngest then? Well, not, not important. The point is he's 19. There's a lot of time left for him to develop. I'm not worried about him. Hey, we did have breaking news before coming on the air. Uh, how does this sound? Tony Kukoc, Hall of Famer. How about that? The International Committee voted Tony Kukoc into the Hall of Fame in the 2021 class. He's with just some, you know, not very well-known names. Just, you know, Ben Wallace, Chris Bosh, Chris Weber, Paul Pierce, Bill Russell's going in as a coach, Jay Wright, Rick Edelman. Yolanda Griffith, and Lauren Jackson. Yeah, Tony Kukoc in the Hall of Fame. I love it. So now, if you're, if you're keeping track, you got from the second three-peat, Tony Kukoc, Michael Jordan, Sky Pippen, and Dennis Rodman in the Hall of Fame. I love it. And Tony Kukoc doesn't get the love he deserves. You know, there was all these Instagram posts and whatnot. I did one during the last dance last year about who Michael Jordan's most underrated teammate was. Everyone was quick to say Rodman, and that's just because he didn't score. He was a rebounder, and everyone knew him for the off-the-court stuff. 
Now, I was, in, I was inclined to say Rodman. And then my dad knocked some sense into me and like, no, we knew how good Rodman was. He, he's told me this, and I guarantee you, if he's listening right now, he'll, he'll tell me that this is right. When the Bulls got Rodman, his reaction was, nobody's going to beat these guys. Well, they only lost 10 games that year. So yeah, people knew how good Dennis Rodman was. Tony Kukoc, the Croatian sensation. I mean, he came off the bench. He was sixth man. He had the big shot when Scottie Pippen wouldn't go in the game, which that was the low point in Scottie's career. He was a great role player. And yeah, my dad and I were talking before coming on the air that that Tony would have been like borderline Hall of Fame, maybe on the bubble. If you had to lean it, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. And I'm really happy for him. Congratulations to Tony Kukoc. What an honor. And yeah, I'm that makes me really happy. So yeah, I had to get that little bit of breaking news on here. Before I move on to baseball, how about the Chicago Sky yesterday? I caught a little bit of that game. I was actually, ugh, my sister graduates high school this week. So I got brought along with her and my mom for graduation dress shopping. Which to me meant, ooh, I get Dunkin' and Chick-fil-A. So I went I went with, and they were they were looking for dresses. And I, I pulled up my phone, I was just sitting in the mall, and was watching a little bit of the Sky game, and I'm so happy Candace Parker's back home. Like, she's one of my favorite basketball players ever. NBA, WNBA, doesn't matter. She's turning into a great analyst, too. I'm so happy she's back home on the sky. She had 16 points and 8 rebounds yesterday. She had a great game. It's a typical Candace Parker game. But, yeah, that was a big win over Washington yesterday over the Mystics. So I just had to, had to throw that out there today when talking about basketball. That the sky looked good. Now, 10 minutes left, we got to talk baseball. Because I had baseball thoughts I couldn't get to last week. Because, as I said, I wasn't on the air last week. The White Sox right now have the second best record in Major League Baseball, 23-15. and 15. Boston is one game better. Uh, Sox have won seven of their last ten games. They actually won six in a row after a one to nothing loss to Cincinnati in extra innings. And if you've forgotten about that game... Hey, you must not you, you must not be a White Sox fan if you've forgotten about that game. And B, let me let me tell you something about that. You all know my thoughts on the stupid extra inning rule because it is stupid. I would use some other words, but the FCC won't let me. It is a stupid little league rule. Liam Hendricks came in to pitch. Tony Larusa made a double switch, so the spot that came up was. One after the pitcher spot. After the double switch. Well, the extra inning rules say if the pitcher is the last spot, you can sub a runner in, a pinch runner, for the pitcher and not take your pitcher out of the game. Now, full disclosure here before I talk more about this. I did not know that was the rule. I had no idea that was the rule. And I was we were watching the post-game show that day. And Ozzie Guillen didn't know that was the rule. Frank Thomas didn't know that was the rule. Chuck Garfine didn't know that was the rule. The Hall of Famer baseball person in the dugout should not have to know Little League rules. That's problem number one. So I'm tired of hearing about he didn't know the rule. Should he have? Yes. 
And it didn't help that the Reds manager was out there saying, oh, no, everybody was told about that rule in spring training. Yeah, that didn't help. The problem is not that he didn't know the rule. Well, not, that's not the biggest one. Why is Billy Hamilton up in that spot? Why are you not calling for a hit and run when Larry Garcia is stealing second? Instead of calling for a straight steal and him getting thrown out by Tucker Barnhart, who's two-time gold glove winner. There were managerial mistakes other than not knowing the rule. Because all you needed was a fly ball from Billy Hamilton. Oh, by the way, I want to say Zach Collins was on the bench. Why is Billy Hamilton up in that spot? Yes, Tony should have known the rules. No, not everybody knew those rules. No, he should not have had Billy Hamilton up in that spot. No, he should not have had Larry Garcia do a straight steal a second. But then after that game, after everybody was calling for Tony Lewis to be fired, White Sox won six straight games. And now they've won seven of their last ten because they've lost a couple to Kansas City. Any mistakes Tony Larusa makes are going to be amplified given everything that happened with his hiring. From the DUIs to his age to the process to do it to not even talking to A.J. Hinch. Any mistake he makes is going to be amplified. I still stand by it. The two greatest baseball minds alive in this order are Joe Torre and Tony LaRussa. And Joe Torre is not getting back in that dugout. So now you have the second best baseball mind alive right now. Yes, he's 76. I don't think they have the best rec- or the second best record in baseball. They have Rick Renteria as their manager. I don't think Rick Renteria gets the most out of this team. I think Tony Larusa is doing fine as manager. The offense is good. The defense is still a question mark. You can question in-game decisions all you want. It's a long season. No manager is perfect. But I'm not too worried about Tony LaRusso as the manager of this team. If they didn't have the second best record in baseball, at one point they had the best record in baseball. Maybe it'd be a different story. Maybe it'd be one of those things, okay, they're a solid let's say let's say the White Sox were one game over five hundred right now. By definition, they're above average, first of all. Second of all, that's not where they should be. They should be better. Oh, did I forget to mention that Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert aren't playing this year? Imagine this team with Eloy and Luis Robert in the lineup every day. That is a loaded roster. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. So he made a bad mistake. It happens. They came back from it. They're doing just fine. The Cubs, meanwhile, are riding a roller coaster. They're up, they're down. I feel like the, I feel like the, the, here's a reference. I feel like the grandma in the scene in Parenthood talk about the roller coaster. They're up and down. They're up and down. That's what they're doing. They won five straight games. They look great. Looks like they're finally finding their stride. Nope. 
They have now lost, what, three or four? And they lost to the Tigers? They lost to Detroit? And Pittsburgh? They can't hit consistently. Somehow Matt Duffy has turned into the most consistent hitter, which, okay, problem number one. Nothing against Matt Duffy, but you got a lineup with, let's see, who who's on the Cubs tonight? You got Chris Bryant, you got Anthony Rizzo, you got Javier Baez, you got Wilson Contreras, you got Jason Hayward, you got Ian Happ. Why is Matt Duffy your most consistent hitter? Oh, I forgot Jock Peterson's in there, even though he's doing, he's actually looking good lately. But why is Matt Duffy your most consistent hitter? Cubs are 18 and 20, fourth place in the NL Central, which I still, the way I talk about the NL Central is no one's going to win the division. Someone's just going to happen to come in first. The Cardinals are okay. They're, I mean, they're good, but they're not lights out. The Brewers are okay. The Cubs are eh. Cincinnati's eh. Pittsburgh, oh, Pittsburgh's a double-A team at this point. There's no reason the Cubs should be losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates. But yeah, Cubs are 18-20 and in fourth place in the division. It's going to be a long year on the north side. But hey, fans are getting back in the stands, though. That came out this week because Illinois is moving into the bridge phase, which means capacity limits are increased and we're moving toward a full reopening here in Illinois. 60% 60% capacity, guaranteed rate in Wrigley Field. That's awesome. I'm, I'm so happy more fans are going to be able to go to games. So the first Sox game with 60% capacity will be May 24th against the Cardinals. Hey, I'm going to that game. My buddies and I were talking about going to that game a couple weeks ago. We were waiting for tickets to come out. Well, then it comes out that 60% capacity, we're going to be there. That's going to be fun. I'm really excited. And then the Cubs, it'll start May 28th. Uh, Crane Kenny, the head of business operations for the Cubs, said he's hoping for 100% capacity by July. I don't, know if he, I don't know if he said by the beginning or end of July, but either way, by July, hopefully, he wants to have full capacity at Wrigley. We're moving toward normalcy. It is so nice. And then CDC comes out this week and says vaccinated people don't have to wear their masks. Uh, well, in most situations, obviously. going to be so nice to have packed stadiums again in Chicago. I I can't wait. And again, that that game we're going to on the 24th will be my first game since the first game of a season-ending doubleheader in 2019. And I remember that because I was there for my internship at NBC Sports Chicago. Got the shadow of Vinny Duber, James Fegan, Chuck Garfine. That was, that was a fun day. I wish I could have stayed for the second game of that, but they wouldn't let me. But yeah, it's going to be my first game in a year and a half, almost two years. I haven't been to Wrigley since September of 2018. So maybe I'll try and get to Wrigley too, depending on how expensive tickets are, because tickets have been through the roof for the Cubs. Thanks, Mr. Ricketts. But yeah, we're, we're moving toward normalcy, and it feels awesome. Okay, before we wrap up, I got I have to acknowledge this. And maybe I'll play this on next week's show or something. I might tweet it. 
I did not watch Saturday Night Live last night. Like, I just, I haven't really been watching SNL regularly. I did in school, and I just, in the last year, I haven't. What happened with this last dance sketch last night? Because everyone's talking about how this is funny, and I didn't even, I didn't see it until right before I came on the air, someone tweeted about it. I know Keegan-Michael Key was hosting. I love Keegan-Michael Key. But I'm going to have to watch that. Maybe I'll play that next week. I've been, I've been wanting to do a Last Dance rewatch anyway for the for the one-year anniversary of it. But that's going to be... <laughs> I, I, stay tuned for that, because I, I want to watch that. And it looks funny, given the screenshots I've seen, and et cetera, et cetera. And with that, we're going to end the show there. So thank you for dealing with the technical difficulties I had today. Hopefully this won't happen again. Again, we are all remote this summer. Here at WLUW, so I'm be coming to you from Dwight every week. And it's going to be fun. We're going to have more fun. There's going to be a lot to talk about. And hopefully I'll be on the air on time next week. So until then, stay safe, stay healthy, get the vaccine when you can. I will talk to you back here next Sunday on the Sunday Sports Shootout. Have an awesome week, everybody.